from the Spirits Podcast, a boozy dive into mythology, legends, and folklore. Every week we pour a drink and learn about a new story from around the world. I'm Amanda. And I'm Julia. And this is episode 329, all about Fricka. Yeah, so Amanda, here's the thing. So far, we've covered Odin, we've covered Balder, and we're leaning pretty heavily on the men of the Norse pantheon. But we're also premiering this during International Women's Month. So, like, what about the ladies, you know? What about the ladies? That's true. I'll say, Julia, this is not a podcast that overlooks women Mm, (laughs) as a pattern. Are you sure? (laughs) Yes, uh, even though a lot of our subject matter uh, does cover uh, ancient mythology and folklore, which, you know, depending on where you're at, might be a little male-dominated. So mm-hmm. I'm uh, I'm excited that we can make sure that we are covering gods of all genders, but especially the women during this Women's History Month. Yeah, and that's why it seems fitting to focus this week on the queen of Asgard, the wife of Odin, and the highest ranking goddess of the Asir, Frigga. Let's do it. So you might recognize that name from previous episodes of It's Norse, of course. As I mentioned, she's the wife of Odin and also the mother of Baldur and Holder. She is the goddess of motherhood and childbirth, marriage and love, which given the fact that she is kind of positioned as a mother and wife in Norse mythology makes a lot of sense. Again, you know, obviously women are more than wives and mothers, everyone out here, but you know, In terms of where she fits in the pantheon of Norse mythology, it makes a lot of sense for her dominion to be this kind of like motherhood, childbirth, marriage and love. You know, we are more than uh, than childbirth and love, but some of us are about childbirth and love. So like, you know, that's that's third wave feminism, baby. Yeah, we can accept all the ways that people live and that's fine. That's fine. Yeah, that's what it's about. Ladies get to choose what their lives are. Here's the thing. Uh, until your choices harm me, I don't give a shit what you do. Exactly. Exactly. It's fine. So her name, Amanda, quite literally comes from the verb to love, which is Frigga. And we get our word Friday from her name, which is Frigg's Day. And among the Norse people, it made Friday a very popular day to get married, as it would already like bless the union because it was done on the 11 marriage goddesses day. That's pretty great. Julia, you recently went to a wedding on a Monday. Mm -hmm. How would you say that vibe blesses their union? Uh, It blesses their union because it was very intimate and nice. And there was only like 50 people. It was just like a very like low key scaled down wedding. And I loved that for them. It was honestly like besides your wedding, the best wedding I had been to in a long while. So oh, thank you. (laughs) I do think that saving money by booking a venue on a Monday, uh, there's there's no better way to really start a marriage if if you ask me. The only problem that we had with that wedding was uh, several of our friends have kids and they're like, no babysitters are available on Monday nights. Uh. So like one half of each couple kind of stayed home, which was a little bit like, you're like, no, we missed them. But at the same time, we're like, I'm glad at least one of you got to come. <laughs> you know, I get it. I get it. But yeah, I had no idea that this is where Friday was from, which I mean, shouldn't shock me given that we have Woden's Day for mm-hmm. Wednesday. But here we are. And Thursday for Thursday. But we'll get mm-hmm. to that eventually down the line. So it is worth noting just before we kind of get into the the thick of the episode that sometimes in Norse mythology and studies, uh, Frigga is confused with or synchronized with the goddess Freya, which is something we'll touch on more when we cover Freya in the future. But I want to stress that they are not the same character, even though they do share some of the same traits and may have been derived from the same goddess, which is the Germanic figure of Freya. At the same time, that is kind of contested by some scholars. Some scholars believe that might be the origin. Some scholars are like, no, no, they're different. So 
keep, you know, like a little bit of a grain of salt when it's coming to this episode being like, oh, you know, if you are familiar with Norse mythology and you hear something that you're like, that I think might be Freya, not Frigga. It's because sometimes they're used interchangeably depending on the sources. Interesting. So this isn't like a kind of Minerva, Athena, like one-to-one situation. Yes, because there are several stories that feature both Frigga and Freya, which is interesting, which you don't get with the kind of translation from Greek to Roman with Athena to Minerva and vice versa. You know, people saw them in the same room once, Julia, and that proves they're not secretly pulling a farce on us. That proves that it's true. And it's also, you know, a lot of times it's a translation issue because, again, the names are very similar and they might have derived from the same etymology and stuff like that. But it's important to know different characters have some of the same traits or similar traits, but entirely different in terms of where they fall within the Norse pantheon. Makes sense. Amanda Frigga is, of course, as Queen of Asgard, featured in many stories, both in Norse mythology and Germanic mythology as well. And that includes, of course, our poetic and prose Eddas, which we've talked about before. However, unlike Odin, she doesn't really have much of like an origin story. She's only really introduced in the prose and poetic Eddas as the wife of Odin. Sure. But that doesn't mean that she's like just kind of fit into this role of, oh, she's just the wife and nothing else. Like we kind of talked about Baldur's wife, Nana, in the Baldur episode. And she was like, her one story is she's the wife of Baldur and that's it. Not the case with Freya. She, like her husband, is clever and wise to the point where in some stories she's able to outwit Odin, the god of wisdom himself, which is, I don't know about you, one of my personal favorite tropes, which is like when you have someone who is extremely intelligent and wise, but at the same time, their spouse is able to like outpace them. That is one of my favorite like tropes thing especially when you meet the spouse later on and you're like wow that that character's so smart and brilliant and their spouse comes in and they're just like haha you dummy <laughs> <laughs> i do really like that especially um when there are different kinds of wisdoms and somebody might be you know really successful in the boardroom and then their spouse knows much more about you know one of the many other areas of life that counts and maybe that's what's going on with odin and frigga yeah it's a real like you know street smarts versus book smarts situation that i really really I love that. Part of the reason that Frigga is able to keep up with the God of Wisdom is the fact that she is a Volvo, which we talked about in the Odin episode. That's a seeress, like someone who can see into the future and is able to see the fate of all. Uh, Much like Odin is always in search of more knowledge and is kind of burdened by the knowledge of the future of the Aesir and the Vanir and the coming of Ragnarok, Frigga is able to like see glimpses of the future as well, but she's not all-seeing in the way that Odin kind of is. And we see a little bit of that featured in the story of Baldur and his death, where she can see the outcome of Baldur is maybe going to die. I can see that in my visions, or I can interpret that through the dreams that he is having. But she wasn't able to necessarily see how things were going to happen or the ultimate end of those things. Makes sense. You're probably thinking to yourself, both Amanda and our conspirators who are listening to this episode, Julia, Odin had to sacrifice a lot in order to see the future that he saw. He lost his eye. He hung from the world tree. How is Frigga able to see these things without a similar sacrifice? 
a great question. Thank you for asking it hypothetically. <laughs> you know, Julia, I, I can't take credit here because I didn't even wonder that at all. <laughs> <laughs> well, in case our listeners were wondering as well, the reason is Frigga practices a magic called Seeder, which is basically an old Norse magic that gives her some ability of divination. And with that power, she does her best to kind of influence events, which, you know, we've talked about this a lot in recent episodes, particularly when we were talking about the story of Oedipus and the idea of like, can you change fate knowing what the future is actually supposed to hold? And a lot of stories about Frigga kind of focus on those themes. So I think it's really interesting that, you know, across all mythology, we have these ideas that, oh, if you could see the future, would you be able to change things? And the answer is usually no. Yeah, no, it's true, especially because it sounds like Frigga only has a sort of vague idea of what's to come. Like it's some divination, it's some looking into the future and she does with that what she can versus Odin has a very clear idea um, as to what is going to happen and knows that nothing he can do can change it. So it's it's interesting to have those two kind of abilities and how prone they are to try to do something about it almost like reversed. Yeah. And because they are such a good match in this mythology, I think it really does kind of show like the inevitability and the weight of Ragnarok is such a burden to Odin. And Frigga's burden is she knows little hints of the future. And when she tries to change it, it doesn't quite work out. So I love that these are like kind of the two instances and the two burdens of being able to see the future just colored differently. Mm -hmm. I'll talk a little bit more about this kind of divination power in a later episode because Freya is actually one of the Norse gods that is defined by the use of this magic. So we'll talk about it a little bit more when we feature Freya in a later episode. But Frigga, as the wisest of the goddesses and the wife of Odin, she is the only other god that is allowed to climb onto the high throne of Odin, which is Jhlidskalaf, uh, where one can see and view the entire cosmos. Wow. Isn't that so cool? Like, imagine that. Imagine it's like it's so high up that you can see all of the branches of the world tree. You can see the entire cosmos itself. And there's a story later where they're just like hanging out on the throne together and checking out what's going on in the cosmos. That's really cute. And that is another trope, too, in uh, rom-coms and in romance books where it's like, oh, don't go into his office. He's always so, you know, uh, standoffish. And then like this is the one sort of cinnamon roll who can go in there or go into his special car, right? Or like see his special spot and make it actually work. I was thinking that you were going to say something of the effect of in a lot of rom-coms and romance novels, there's always like a moment where it's like, oh, we're going to stare at the stars together and we're going to fall madly in love while we're under a starry sky. I mean, also that. Also that, you know, even though they don't have a romance in this, like we don't see how they get together. I feel like they do have a bit of a like uh, rom-com, not like enemies to lovers situation, but rather like the anything you can do, I can do better Annie Oakley situation, which I really, really like. Totally. Julia, uh, we got a new dive bar in our neighborhood <gasps> recently, um, which we're both connoisseurs of. This one has pickle juice on tap and a Bloody Mary bar, uh, which is very exciting. Yes. And like a self-serve salad bar for like garnishes. Incredible. And the bathroom papered in Annie Oakley's. And I uh, took a picture uh, to send to you. Please. Yeah, incredible. I love it so, so much. So speaking of one falling in love under the stars and also the cosmos and the sky, Frigga is associated with the sky itself. And she's usually shown in artwork wearing a large blue cape that represents her connection to it, which style. Tight. Love it. We love that style. 
as we've discussed, uh, all the gods kind of have their own halls. And Frigga, of course, is no exception. Her home is called Fenselir, which is the Hall of the Marshlands, which honestly... I love that for her. Mm-hmm. All the other gods that we've seen so far are like, oh, the glimmering hall. Oh, all this like kind of gaudy stuff. But hers is just like so down to earth and chill. And I love that for her. Amanda, if you had a hall, you know, if you got to as as the goddess that you are, if you got to have a hall that you could bring people to when they died or what have you, what would the like theme of your hall be? Okay, I'm... The first instinct here would be a great, like, Beauty and the Beast-style library. Of course. But I think that might be a little intimidating and is honestly not where I feel most at home. I think the answer would be, uh, like, greenhouse or, like, a sunroom. Something with, like, a beautiful kind of filtered light, lots of plants, maybe some wicker furniture, a nice, like, little pitcher of lemonade. And I'm like, oh, come on, sit down. Let's talk about it. That's incredible. Thank you. I think for mine, I would want kind of like a like a temple on a beach kind of situation with like a long, big banquet hall. And then the one side of it opens up onto the water and it's like, you know, glimmering sunrises and sunsets yes. across the water. And that would that would be my perfect hall. I don't know what that would translate to into Old Norse, but I, I dig it. I think it's a really nice question. <laughs> no, thank you. Listeners, tell us what your hall would be. I want to hear about them. Me too. So Frigga also is often shown, besides her large, beautiful blue cape, she's also shown holding a special ash, as in like an ash tree box that is called an esky, though the contents of the box, mysteriously unknown. We don't know. We just don't know what's in the box, but she always has the box. That is pretty impressive. It feels like so rare that you wouldn't actually say that or somebody would make it up. I mean, that's Pandora's box, right? Like the human urge to open the box is almost overwhelming. Mm -hmm. So I think that's pretty dope. Yeah. And I'm not sure if that's like just a, you know, stories we never got the translation of what was actually inside the box or the stories of what's in the box were lost to us. Or if it was just like the Norse people were like, something's in that box. We don't know. God stuff, I guess. If it's that last scenario you described, mad respect, because I am the kind of person who's like, ah, you have to open it. Tell me what's in the box. Oh, Amanda, you and Pandora, best friends. Listen, I I know myself. I know myself well enough to know that I would be opening that box the moment I was left alone with it. There you go. One of the things that I love about Frigga as well, she has this like entourage of minor goddesses that are her buddies and stuff. Like, of course, she's associated with her two children, which are Balder and Holder. And she is said to dote on them and is a wonderful mother. And of course, she is a loving wife, though. In some stories, she's like a little bit like promiscuous and like is not like exclusive to Odin, which I'm just like, all right, girl, I see it. Shout out to like letting your goddess of love and marriage and motherhood like, you know, do what she wants to do. Yeah, pretty, pretty atypical. Not my bag, but like, go, go on, enjoy yourself. Exactly, exactly. You know, like, I don't like to make a lot of comparisons to the Greeks when we're talking about an entirely different pantheon. But if you look at like the separation between Aphrodite and the separation between Hera, who it's specifically marriage for Hera and love for Aphrodite, they couldn't be more different. Right. But in the combination that is Freya, you know, she is both a doting mother, a loving spouse, and also, you know, uh, does what's best for her. Nice. And I love that. It's good her. to have different examples in mythology. Exactly, exactly. So going back to her her squad, though, her, her you know, entourage, basically, of minor mm-hmm. goddesses, 
The most important of these minor goddesses is her waiting maid, Fulla, who Fulla is kind of defined by the fact that she wears this beautiful golden band. She is Frigga's chief confidant. You know, Frigga tells Fulla all of her secrets. And she is also the one that looks after Frigga's Eski, the secret box. And so in any sort of art where they're both featured, Fulla is holding the box for Frigga being like, if you need it, here it is. <laughs> That's kind of the dream. I, I'm very much an over-prepared person. Should surprise nobody who listens to this podcast. <laughs> so, like in my bag at all times, I have you know like Advil, lactate, you know a sharpie, a pen, a phone charger, all of this stuff. And it is truly the dream that I will be able to pack enough that I have literally anything I need at any given time, and I don't have to hold it. So, yeah. I'm into it. Yeah, that might be what's in the Eski, Amanda. I know we shouldn't like theorize what's in this super magical mystical box, but like, what if it's just like a bag of holding that has whatever you need at that moment? Yeah, spare tunic, spare sandals, Mm -hmm. uh, a little snack, you know, pocket almonds, whatever you need. There was a a note in the research where it was like, Fulla is in charge of the Eski and also Frigga's footwear. And I was like, is there anything special about Frigga's footwear? And I couldn't find anything special about her footwear. (laughs) So I'm just like, oh, she's just like in charge of the shoes. Okay, I love that. That's great. Incredible. Incredible. There is also the goddess Lofna, who is a gentle goddess who is given the job by Frigga to arrange marriages between men and women that Frigga chose like for them to become a couple, which I really like. That's very sweet. Cute. There is the messenger goddess Na, who is a attendant to Frigga, and she rides a flying horse that she uses to travel between the worlds in order to do Frigga's bidding. Incredible. We love a messenger goddess, obviously. The hottest. Always the hottest. Especially on a flying horse. Amanda, come on. Come on. It's everything everything I wanted as a kid. Exactly. And then finally, there is Hilm, who is tasked with protecting all those who have attracted the attention and interest of the Queen of the Asgardians. So, Okay, this is smart. Yes, and she's like a, a battle goddess. So like when we say protection, we're talking about like the physical kind of protection, which I kind of love as well. Dang, that's awesome. You're like making sure that the people that I like get married, have good marriages. They Anything I need to send to them, they get. And also they're protected from all harm because these are my babies. Incredible. We, we love a mom even when it's not her biological children. Yeah. They're just a really good friend. Like, yeah. hey, girl, I'll look out for you. Yeah, exactly. So now we're, we're familiar with one of Frigga's most notable stories, which is the death of Baldur. Check our last episode for that. And just as like a quick reminder for our listeners, Frigga was Baldur's mother, who through her own abilities and from deciphering the dreams of her son, went out of her way to kind of solicit a promise of all things so that they would not harm Baldur. But she was tricked by Loki to reveal that mistletoe was the one thing that could kill the god. And I really think just like, you know, we told the whole story from kind of the perspective of Baldur and the gods as a whole. But from Frigga's perspective, this is the story of like a concerned mother going to literally the ends of the earth to ensure that her child will be safe. And that's kind of like one of the true tragedies of that story when you think about it. Yeah, totally. (sighs) Poor, poor Frigga. I'm sorry, babe. But there are some other fantastic stories about Frigga in Norse mythology, and we'll get into those just as soon as we get back from our refill. Let's do it. 
Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to The Refill. Now, we are recording this one a little bit in advance because Julia and I will have just spent the weekend at PAX Unplugged in Boston, going to some of Julia's old haunts from college and saying hello to a lot of uh, video game nerds, parentheses, affectionate, up at PAX. So we will thank our newest patrons in the next episode. But as always, we have our supporting producer-level patrons to thank. Alicia, Anne, Brittany, Fruity Chick, Hannah, Jack Marine, Jane, Nieselkins, Lily, Megan Moon, Nathan, Phil Fresh, Rico, like Captain Jonathan, Malachi, Cosmos, Sarah, Scott, and Zazie, and our legend-level patrons, Ariana, Audra, Bex, Chibi-Yokai, Clara, Ginger Spurs Boy, Morgan, Sarah, Schmitty, and BME Up, Scotty. <sighs> what a wonderful mouthful. Um, sounds a little bit odd. Thank you so much to those patrons for supporting us. And if you want to do something today to support spirits, if you're like, hey, I've been meaning to support you guys for a long time. I love the podcast. I've been catching up. This cool person I know recommended it to me, etc. And you're looking for just a little bit of a of a boost, of a reason. Maybe it's that the spring equinox has just happened last week and Julia has posted a new tarot vibe check. For the host level patrons and above, she did a tarot reading just for us to tell us what is happening in a lovely multi-card spread, giving us some intentions and themes and things to focus on for the season to come. These are some of my favorite moments of the year when we get to enjoy these. This is number three, so we will have done a whole year of these coming up pretty soon over the summer. So if you want to enjoy those and listen to this season as well as past seasons, see how that, you know, mapped against what you did, then go ahead and join us at patreon.com slash Spirits podcast. This week, I would like to make a recommendation, which is to get coffee you like from somewhere near you and bring it with you on vacation. Now, I really love cold brew iced coffee, which can often come in like a growler or a pint size that, you know, my local coffee shop will sell it so you can, you know, put it in your fridge and like drink it at home. But I particularly love this one brand that makes cold brew bean bags. So it's like a giant tea bag, basically. You can steep overnight and then have cold brew, you know, in your fridge. And I find that when I go on vacation, I love to do lots of things, but I also want to keep somewhat of my routine. And so especially because we were on this trip for work, I wanted to make sure I had the thing I need to start my day right, which at this point in my life is cold brew. So now it is a new just sort of habit of mine to pack these bean bags and a thing of shelf-stable oat milk uh, with me on vacation, especially when we're driving somewhere. It's much easier to just like chuck something in the car. Then I always have the coffee I need to start my day off right. So that is my somewhat unorthodox recommendation for you, this uh, lovely refill. Now, lots going on at Multitude as usual. And while it might be spring here on Earth, there is a lot happening up in the cosmos that I did not have any idea about until I started listening to Pale Blue Pod. This is, of course, an astronomy podcast for people who are overwhelmed by the universe, but do want to be its friend, where our friend and our advice from folklore expert, Dr. Moya McTeer, joins her friend, comedian Corinne Caputo, who did get married on the Staten Island Ferry, she's the best, to demystify space one topic at a time. By the end of each episode, which ranges from things about like, how do we photograph stars to like, what's up with the moon? And <laughs> how do we tell the distances between things? It's so amazing and really scratches that itch in my brain where I miss learning. And I wish I had teachers as open hearted and lovely and funny as Dr. McTeer and Corinne. So look for Pale Blue Pod in your podcast app right now or go to palebluepod.space. There are new episodes every Monday. 
We are sponsored this week by the fabulous, the queer, the trans queer candle company. They, of course, make small batch soy wax candles hand poured with love. And true story, yesterday I was burning a candle. I've had it for, I mean, at this point, four years. It's moved apartments with me. It was like a huge, like pillar, like column candle. And finally it reached the end. And, uh, you know, I'm the kind of person who gets sentimental and sad over things like finishing a candle that's been with me for a long time in two apartments. But instead I was like, yay, I get to buy a candle from Queer Candle Company. They are amazing and their candles are topped with a variety of botanicals, including pressed flowers, dried herbs, and zested aromatics. I would totally buy these as a housewarming present, as a birthday present, as a condolence present, really anything for anyone who wants to feel a little bit special in their daily life, including you, because hey, you deserve it. They also donate 10% of monthly profits to the Sylvia Rivera Law Project. They're awesome. You should totally follow them on social at Queer Candle Co. Their TikToks and Instagrams are beautiful. And if you want to buy, use code SPIRITS at checkout for 10% off your first order at QueerCandleCo.com. We are also sponsored this week by Shaker and Spoon, a fabulous subscription cocktail service that helps you learn how to make handcrafted cocktails right at home. And I actually am recommended Shaker and Spoon to a friend of mine who doesn't drink but does enjoy NA beverages. Like they'll have, you know, non-alcoholic like aperitifs or beers or like, you know, make a, a mocktail at home. And I was like, you know what? You'd really enjoy Shaker and Spoon because they send you all kinds of very cool materials and, you know, ingredients and syrups. And and also teach you techniques to make new kinds of drinks. So whether or not you're using an NA or a low alcohol spirit, or maybe you're just, you know, using their fancy like bergamot, you know, orange syrup with seltzer to make like a really tasty thing at home. They are an amazing business to support and all of their stuff is so high quality. But if you enjoy a cocktail like I do, you of course can also buy one bottle of that month's spirit because every box is themed around a particular spirit and they send you all of the things you need to make. 12 drinks at home, three different cocktail recipes, four drinks of each cocktail recipe for 12 drinks at home. They are so affordable, so versatile. You can skip or cancel at any time or like buy a gift for somebody of one box or three boxes or a whole year. They are amazing. We love them dearly. And if you go to shakerandspoon.com spirits, you'll get 20 bucks off your first box. And finally, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. I uh, have learned over the last few months that I am incredibly impressionable when I am falling asleep. I, for many, many days in a row, had very sort of mundane dreams that were directly related, I later realized in retrospect, to things that I was like talking or thinking about or looking at right before I fell asleep. And so uh, I was talking about this with Eric, my husband, and he was like, you know what, I, we need to come up with a ritual for you where you like think and look at pleasant things before you fall asleep. So we rearranged like the stuff on my nightstand. So I have like a little glass leaf, like a cute little Bulbasaur, you know, some like erasers in the shape of fruit and just stuff that I find really pleasant and charming and nice because I didn't know it about myself, but I'm very impressionable and dream about the things I talk about before I fall asleep. And if those things are sad, then I'm going to be sad. So, you know, listen, I'm 31 years old learning this about myself. Life is an amazing tapestry. And I learn about myself as well in therapy every dang week. And I really appreciate about BetterHelp, our sponsor this week, that if you want to do therapy online, if you need to do it in a virtual way, if you haven't tried it before and you are like a little bit curious but need to do it in a way that's convenient, BetterHelp is there for you. You fill out a brief questionnaire and get matched with a licensed therapist and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Discover your potential with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com spirits today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash spirits. 
And now let's get back to the show. So for Frigga, she is just like, you know, she's beautiful. I think of, you know, fields and marshlands under a big blue sky when I think of Frigga. We also, Amanda, just as a reminder, we have to think about what her title will be when we get to the end of this episode, because yes. now we've included that and it's part of our thing. So think about your Frigga alliterative title for the, the Queen of the Asgardians. I will. I will think about her. With that kind of in mind, I picked a cocktail that is called Here Comes the Sun, which is like rye whiskey, ginger syrup, lemon juice, and then like a wheat beer to kind of top it off. And I think that kind of really does encompass the imagery that I would choose for her if I was putting a cocktail together. So here comes the sun. Beautiful. Yeah. She's surrounded by, you know, golden fields of wheat and her lovely entourage and, you know, sending favors and protection to those she loves. It sounds like a very cozy way to curl up next to her and be like, yep, I am basking in the light. Mm, thank you, mom. Thank you, Frigga mom. <laughs> Much like we talked about how Balder is associated with the Danish national origin story, as you'll remember from that episode, Freika is similarly associated with the origins of the Lombards, who were a Germanic people who ruled over the Italian peninsula from like the mid 500s to late 700s. So like Lombardy in Italy is named after the Lombards, right? That's the only place I have heard of them before. There you go. According to both the 7th century Origo Gentis Langobardorum, or the origin of the tribe of the Lombards, and the work of the theologian Paul the Deacon's writings from the 8th century, Frigga not only raised the Lombard tribe to their conquering status, but also was responsible for naming them. And this is a really fun one because I think it kind of includes both interesting historical facts and melding it into mythology, which is absolutely my jam, my favorite thing in the world. Totally. So according to the stories, the Lombards were originally a small Scandinavian tribe that were known as the Winnelly. The Winnelly were basically facing threats from the powerful tribe, the Vandals, which is where we get the word Vandal from. No shit. I was going to say, has there been a more on-the-nose name of tribes in, in ever? There you go. So the Vandals basically said, okay, the Winnelly, you need to submit yourself as vassals and pay tribute, or otherwise we're going to go to war with you and we're going to conquer you. Classic. Obviously, Winnelly, not pleased with that, but also didn't take these threats lying down and told the Vandals that they would rather die free than bend the knee to another tribe. A classic. Mm -hmm. Both tribes actually then appealed to Odin for victory in what was sure to be a bloody and long fought war, because that's what you did back then. And the story goes that Odin gave his favor to the Vandals, but Frigga heard the call of the Winnelly and gave them her favor instead. In classic kind of rom-com style, not wanting to start an argument with his wife, Odin said that instead of just being like, yeah, I'm going to give my, my favor to the Vandals, he would instead give the victory to whichever army he saw first at dawn the next day, which he was sure <laughs> would be the Vandals because they're like, he, they're going to arrive at the battlefield first. I'll see them first. No big deal. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. However, Amanda, there was a seeress among the Winnelly whose name was Gambara, and she was a fellow practitioner of the magical arts. So she appealed to Frigga to grant victory to her and her sons. And Frigga says, okay, here's the thing, Gambara. Odin is the one whose favor you need in order to win this war, right? But here's how you're going to get Odin's favor. You're going to return to your tribe and have all of the women take down their hair 
and arrange it across their faces to look like beards and stand with their men in the field where Odin can see them first when he rises in the morning and looks out onto the field of battle. Wow, like expanding the the footprint so he sees them first. Exactly. So Gambara, of course, does what the goddess asked her to do. And when the morning came the next day, all of the women of the Winnelly stood in ranks with the men of their tribe, with their hair tied across their faces and braided to look like beards. Incredible. Odin looked out onto the battlefield just as he said he would, and he asks his wife, who are these long beards? <laughs> and Frigga said rather smugly because she managed to once again outwit her husband. Odin, now that you've given them their name, you have to give them the victory. And Odin agrees. And so the long beards uh. became the Lombards. And they were able to defeat the Vandals and keep their freedom. Incredible. I mean, it's such a good story, right? It's got it's got wives tricking their husbands. It's got gender fuckery. <laughs> it's got battles. It's got God's favors. What's not to love about this story, right? Nothing, dude. Love it. No notes. No notes. No notes whatsoever. Frigga coming through at the end of the day being like, hey, what if these ladies looked like they were also men, had beards? What if that hair that grew out the top of your head and the back of it? Also grab the front. It's also like a thing that we still do to this day. Like, you know, like you're in middle school and you're like, look, I have a beard now. Ooh, I have a mustache. So yeah. Or like dads with long hair will like, you know, their kids will like braid it in front of the face. It's very funny. Man, I saw a man at the airport. I, I recently went down to Florida for for listeners and I was waiting in line at the Starbucks at JFK at 10 a.m. in the morning. So it's like a half hour long line. Oh, yeah. Terminal 5? Yes, Terminal 5. Yep. And there was a man who he had a mask on so I couldn't see his his whole face, obviously. But he had bald on the top of the head. Like wings going back. Yep. Side hair. Yeah, side hair, but he looked like a <laughs> he looked like Neil Patrick Harris playing um Count oh, Olaf sure. in uh-huh. the series of unfortunate events. And then from underneath the mask, a full, like long, like down to his chest braided like rat tail beard. That's a bold look. It was a look. And I was like, sir, who are you? What is your life? <laughs> you chose this look. Who are you? You know, the fact that he was wearing a mask even after New York has been like, what COVID? Goodbye. I'm not I'm not going to have a word against the man. No, no. I just I want to know his whole life story is my problem. I do, too. I know. Does he have like character art of himself, like with that signature style as like his icon? Places? Oh, my gosh. I want it to be true. Right. I want it to be true so bad. You commit to a look that much. I think you gotta. That's like at the point where I'm just like, if I Googled you, would I be able to find a photo of you? Maybe. Maybe. Besides the point. That man, a modern Lombard, in my opinion. Indeed. I've got one more story of Frigga that I wanted to share. And this one comes from the poetic Edda and is called The Lay of Grimnir. Okay. Great name, first off. Yeah, it sounds like I'm um, muttering, you know, upset to myself. So I'm curious to see (laughs) what the vibe of the story is. So one day, Amanda, Odin and Frigga are sitting on the high throne, as I mentioned before, looking out onto the cosmos classic so it's so romantic but what it leads to um also romantic if that's your your vibe and your jam with your relationship (laughs) so while they're looking out into the cosmos their eyes come across a king the king's name is Geroth, who along with his older brother agnar had been raised by odin and frigga 
Odin had raised Gaudroth and Frigga had raised Agnar. So they had raised the two while disguised as a peasant and his wife and taught the children their godlike wisdom while in disguise, right? Okay, so they're like, oh yeah, our kids, what up? And they're like, oh, how are they doing? And so they check in and Gaudroth has returned to his father's kingdom and he took over the crown when his father passed away. Meanwhile, Agnar has decided to spend his days with a giantess in a cave away from all other people. Okay, relatable. Mm -hmm, relatable. Odin, on seeing how the two brothers were living, remarked to his wife, Oh, well, look how good the son that I raised is doing. So much better than his brother that you raised, right? I don't know. That's how raising kids works, but sure, go ahead. And of course, Frigga scoffs at this, and she accuses King Garoth of being a king that is so inhospitable that he would be the kind of king that would torture his guests if he thought there were too many of them. Okay. Which, as we know from all mythology as a whole, and it's not just like, it's a cultural thing as a whole, is like, you do not break hospitality laws, right? Yeah, that's really interesting. So if if guests are overstaying their welcome, if you are already filled with guests and more people come, you're kind of like, oh, God, like, what, what am I going to do here? Like, turn down the water pressure? Like, what? How am I going to drive them out? Right. But you wouldn't do that, especially as a king, because, you know, being hospitable is the best thing that a person can be. So right. Odin is offended by this statement that his wife has just made and disagrees. And the two decide to make a bet about just that, where it's like, she's like, I bet if you were to go there and you were to be a guest, he would treat you poorly. Okay. Well, I bet I know what's going to happen next. Before Odin can arrive in Geroth's kingdom, uh, Frigga sends her maid, Fulla, who we talked about, keeper of the magic box, to Geroth's kingdom and advises him that a magician would enter his court to enchant and bewitch him, and that the king would be able to recognize him by the fact that no dog would be fierce enough to attack the magician. All right. You're, you're putting your thumb on the scale a little bit here, Frigga. Listen, no one said that she couldn't interfere with the, the bet here. You know, that's, that's true. This, of course, was a load of nonsense. Obviously, there's no magician coming, but she does know that Odin's coming. So the king takes this false warning to heart. He tells his guards to capture any man that the dogs wouldn't attack, which they did. However, the person that they took into custody was Odin, dressed up as an old man named Grimnir. So when they tried to question him and they were like, what are you doing here? What's, what's, you know, why are you here? Are you here to hurt our king? He was just like, my name's Grimnir. And that's it. That's all he would say. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Be like, it doesn't matter who I am. I am a guest in your kingdom. My name is Grimnir. Right. That's it. What's your problem? Yeah. So in order to get more information from him, the king tried to have him tortured to force him to speak. Basically, what he did was he lit two fires and put Odin as Grimnir in between those two fires, refused to give him any food or water or drink or anything like that, and forced him to do that for, I believe, eight nights in a row. Brutal. It's a long time. Hey, don't do that. Don't don't do that. Also, yeah, oh God, I hate this loophole of like, well, I'm not refusing him hospitality. I'm just treating him really badly and torturing and detaining him until I can like get satisfied that he's not here to kill me. That's being inhospitable, my guy. Right? Yeah. Like, that's not even a loophole. You're just doing the bad thing. Yeah. Like, why not just refuse him entry at that point? Yeah. Yeah. But he was like, no, no, I must find out more information from you. So this goes on for eight nights. And then one night, the king's son, who is named Agnar after his uncle, came and gave Odin a horn to drink from, saying that the king had no right to torture him, which is true. Agnar the lesser, Agnar the younger was correct in that sense. So Odin, after this, 
moment of hospitality reveals himself to the boy and prophesizes that he will become lord of the goths not like you know the fashion yeah, yeah. or cultural movement the the people the goths and so he tells the boy all about the cosmogony of the world it kind of goes into like some poetic monologuing as odin is is wont to do about how great he is and everything that he's done for the the nine realms <laughs> and stuff like that and so when the king comes to check on the prisoner, Odin reveals himself to him as well. And realizing his mistake, the king first bows down to Odin with his sword across his knee and then goes to free him. But as he goes to free him, he stumbles over the sword and impales himself with it. Well, Julia, that's a really bad day. Uh, <laughs> that's a really bad day for this king. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's he's not having a good day, but you know, it's it's a very classic mythological comeuppance, right? So the son Agnar then rules in his father's place and Odin vanishes, admitting defeat to Frega because she truly had raised the better of the two brothers. And he had been proven wrong. And then they go, ah, ha, 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 not caring that like a kid they raised has died stupidly. Yeah, well, you know, sometimes you can do the best you can raising a child and they don't turn out the way that you anticipated. <laughs> and then they torture you and accidentally uh, impale themselves on their own sword. You know, that happened at least once. I don't know if it's been repeated in the course of time, but that sure is a unique story. You know, you know what they say, Amanda, everything happens at least twice. <laughs> <laughs> Do they say that? I don't know, maybe. <laughs> so last, uh, kind of before we decide on what title Frigga deserves here at the end of the episode, I wanted to share a little real world example of Frigga's influence. Oh, there is a type of yellow bed straw that grows through Europe and Asia, which is known as Frigg's grass. Hey! Yeah. In medieval times, it was used to stuff mattresses because apparently its odor kills fleas. All right. Which, as you can imagine, pretty big deal during medieval times. I'll say. And it has a notable yellow flower, which were used to coagulate milk in cheese making. Hey, Julia, huge for you. I know, big for me. I love that. And I think that's very cool. And then its roots were also used to make red dye, and its flowers were used to make yellow dye, which has some real uh, throwback for you, Amanda, gathering blue energy here. Oh, hell yeah, it does. If you've read Gathering Blue, get at me in the comments. One of my favorite <laughs> book series of all time. Yeah, we're here for you. And then the leaves can be used as a mild sedative, and it can be brewed into an alcoholic drink called, I believe, Biesk. This plant has everything, Julia. It has everything, much like Frigga, well spread out and well-rounded in many ways. Exactly. You can stuff your bed. You can uh, sedate your enemies. You can get a little bit drunk. You can make cheerful red and also yellow and probably orange because of color theory, like textiles and things. Love it. And cheese. And most importantly, cheese. Always the most important. So, Amanda, let's finish out this episode then brainstorming what we think Frigga's alliterative title should be. As you remember, we have Odin the Overwhelmed. I think that was it. We had Balder the Bright because his whole yeah. thing was like, I'm bright and then I die. Yep. And now what do we think for Frigga? So I think if this was a, you know, typical goddess of love, beauty, marriage, etc., I would go with like Frigga the Fair, mm -hmm. right? Like her beauty is not 
enriching and like bewitching of people. Mm-hmm. She's also decidedly unfair in her battles and yeah, is not true. afraid to like get in there and get dirty. So mm-hmm. a word that because I was raised in the 90s, I feel to be a little overused is feisty. Mm-hmm. That, that I think is one that that should be on the board. Um, she's also like surrounded by her entourage. She is all about that fair field of wheat. But again, the, the fairness I'm, I'm not really for. I don't know. Did anything strike you? I think you can also go with like Frigga the familial. Okay. In the sense that she, you know, is a mother to both her actual children and also to like the people that fall under her favor. You could also like do um, Frigga the favored, I think is kind of fun as well. Ooh, that's really good. Mm-hmm. I'm now just looking at adjectives of the word F. Do like feisty. That does feel right for Frigga. She, like, you know, it's funny because she has real like trickster energy but not to the level of someone like loki who is like the legit trickster of this pantheon but she's not above doing a little you know a little subterfuge perhaps julia how about this one what if we went with frigga the free frigga the free because i think she is so much more than the bounds that the like motherhood and marriage goddesses that I grew up with might imply. Mm -hmm. And she also is free to break promises, set up funny situations and look after the people she favors just because she favors them. Hell yeah. You know what? I think that's our one. Let's lock it in. Free of the free. Stamped. Free of the free. Stamp of approval. Free of the free. Well, I am so excited to hear more about more in our It's Norse, of course, year-long series next time. Yeah, and I'm going to give a little teaser. We've talked about him before. We've talked about him on the podcast. And while Frigga might be a bit of a trickster, the next one is the trickster. Yay! (laughs) So we will see you next time here, listeners. And remember, as you're free, stay creepy. Stay cool. Spirits was created by Amanda McLaughlin, Julia Shafini, and Eric Schneider, with music by Kevin McLeod and visual design by Allison Wakeman. Keep up with all things creepy and cool by following us at Spirits Podcast on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Tumblr. We also have all of our episode transcripts, guest appearances, and merch on our website, as well as a form to send us in your urban legends and your advice from folklore questions at spiritspodcast.com. Join our member community on Patreon, patreon.com slash spiritspodcast, for all kinds of behind-the-scenes goodies. Just a dollar gets you access to audio extras with so much more, like recipe cards, both alcoholic and non-alcoholic, for every single episode, director's commentaries, real physical gifts, and more. We are a founding member of Multitude, an independent podcast collective and production studio. If you like spirits, you will love the other shows that live on our website at multitude.productions. Above all else, if you liked what you heard today, please text one friend about us. That's the very best way to help keep us growing. Thanks for listening to Spirits. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.